there, I'm Walida Sheree, and welcome to episode number two of Build Young, Grow Wealthy. A big thank you to all of you that are listening right now. It means the world to me that you decided to hang out with me today when you could be listening to anyone else in the world. I hope to empower you to take action after each of my episodes to help you to build your income while you're young, meaning under age 100, and grow wealthy to one day obtain financial freedom to live the life that you deserve. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about how to avoid moving back home with your parents if you graduate without any offers. But before I do that, I want to give you a little bit background information about who I am a little bit more. So to go back in time, I want to share with you about how I became an entrepreneur in college. So I've always been entrepreneurial in almost everything that I've done my entire life, but I really kind of got a little bit more in depth with my entrepreneurial spirit once I got to college. So I'm not going to go into detail in this episode, but I am going to give you a little snippet of what that looked like. So I took a course as an elective, um, for which was my entrepreneurship course. And in this course, we had to do a project. Once we did this project, we had to pitch to somebody. So the project that I decided to do was to create a business because I saw a need on campus for African-American students who needed their hair braided, could not get it braided unless they had a car to go off campus. And then even if they could go off campus, the lady who was available to do hair charged more than what us college students could afford. So I decided that I was going to make a business where I go to them. So whether it's their apartment or their dorm room, and I was going to do their hair because I felt like it was easier, especially as a college student, to have somebody come to you and then you don't have to pay as much money because you don't have to go off campus. And I named this business Walita's Hair Braiding, uh, Mobile Hair Braiding Service. So I talked to one of my friends on a football team, and he was asking how my day was. And I ended up telling him about this business pitch for my course because I had to talk to somebody about it. He's like, cool, that sounds great. Uh, can you hold on for a second? So... I'm like, okay, that's weird. So he like hangs up the phone and he calls me back minutes later. So I'm like, okay, um, are you okay to talk now? And he goes, hey, I got you a customer. Do you think you can do his hair tomorrow? And if I cursed at the time, I would have cursed him out because I was not expecting this to be an actual business. This was just an idea and I was just pitching it so that I can get credit for my assignment. So anyway, that was the genesis of that business. From there, I became like the hair braiding person on campus. And almost all of the athletes during that time, I probably was the one who did their braids. Um, And eventually, I started twisting their locks. My roommate, she also started doing locks too. But I was the initial person who was doing the braids on campus. So in addition to that, I was also a student athletic trainer. And our schedule as a student athletic trainer was pretty demanding. First of all, we had to be on at the um, stadiums or at the training room or wherever our particular team was meeting at 5 a.m. because we had to give treatments. And then they have their 6 a.m. practice. And then unlike other college students, we don't really get to choose our schedule. So most of our schedule started at 730 for our first class. And then you would go pretty much straight through at the very earliest um, that your classes would end would be 1130. You would have to be back to start treatment around 1 or 130. And then you'll be going to your practices around 3. 
And then your practices will end around 7, 7.30. Then you have dinner, study tables, and then try to get your life back within those few hours. So that's pretty much what it looked like majority of the days. On Saturday nights, not so much. Thursday nights, Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays, it wasn't that crazy. And um, Sunday, it was, I don't believe it was practice at all. So you had a, a day off. So Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays were pretty much the most congested days. And so you had a little leeway between Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays because they were preparing for games. So that's that. So with all of that being said, I did over 2,500 hours in clinical work before I graduated. In addition to that, Saturday nights was football and or Saturday was Saturday afternoon was football. So Saturday nights, the football players always threw parties. And at the time, my roommates and I were all really close friends with them. So we would always go to the parties and I really love to dance. Now I can't dance, but I love to dance. And so I would go to these parties with my roommates who could dance really, really well. And I would watch how they would dance. And then I would go home and I would close my door and I would practice what I just saw them do. So eventually I started getting a little bit better at dancing because I was mimicking basically what I saw. Either way, I was just having a blast to the point where one of my friends, he, uh, he offered to drive me home. And I was like, why? He said, well, you're pretty wasted. <laughs> and I don't think it's safe for you to drive home. And I'm like, bro, I don't drink at all. And I know you who are listening probably don't believe this, but ask anybody who knew me in college, I did not drink, but I was always so lit. So I uh, was partying every Saturday night. And that was like getting to the last lap of my uh, senior year. So the, the conclusion of my senior year is approaching. And I have this really big exam that I needed to study for. It's our board exam, kind of like lawyers and doctors have to have an exam in order to actually practice. It's the same thing with my field. We had to pass the board in order to be licensed in the state, at least for the state of Indiana, and um, for me to be able to work. But I have a busy schedule already. I have a business that I'm also running. I need to party to stay sane, but I also should be studying for this exam. And I didn't study for the exam. I figured just like every other test, I could just do like, you know, a week or two and I would be good. But I failed to realize this particular test was going to have every single thing I learned in the last four years in this exam. And this exam was like life or death. If I didn't pass, then I probably was going to have a problem, which became my problem. In addition to all of that, I was studying, I'm sorry, I was attending the wrong job fairs. So I was going to all these different job fairs on campus as if they weren't major specific or at least school specific, thinking that I could just apply and get a job. But it was more so because I was burned out already from my major and I knew for a fact I did not want to work in a collegiate setting because it's very very demanding in terms of your time. And I knew one day I wanted to be a wife, have kids, travel. I knew I, I had this whole lifestyle plan that was not going to work out if I worked in a college setting. So I just knew for a fact I did not want to do that. So I was looking for an alternative plan to not have to be an athletic trainer, although I am an athletic trainer at this point based upon a degree that I've chosen. So I um, graduated 
And before I graduated, I failed my exam, my board exam. So I, I now failed my board exam. I graduated and I have absolutely no jobs lined up. And I am freaking out because first of all, it's already bad that I didn't pass, but it's worse because I didn't even have enough time to retake the test before I graduated. So it was kind of like, at this point, what am I going to do? And what are my parents going to think? Because I was the first grandchild on my mom's side to graduate from a four-year, from a college with a four-year degree. And I was the first grandchild, sorry, the second grandchild on my dad's side who was graduating with a four-year degree. And I was my parents' first child, period, who was graduating with a degree. So I had a lot of um, expectations that people were placing on me that I needed to meet. And I didn't know how to tell them that I failed. So I knew a few things about myself. I knew that I love making money. And you can say what you want, but money does solve majority of all of your problems. I don't care how giving and how loving and how generous you say you are, you still know that money solves a lot of problems. And I knew that. I knew that I absolutely love making money, but I love to make money doing things that I really, really love. I also knew that I liked athletes. I like helping athletes to recover from injuries because I myself was an athlete when I entered into college, but because I was injured, that kind of made a decision on, um, played a, I guess you could say, play a part on me becoming an athletic trainer because I wanted to help recover myself. I love to dance. So I knew that whatever I did, I needed to have enough time while I was able to dance. Um, and I also love the fact that I was smart, but obviously not as smart as I thought because I did not pass my test. And like I said, I was looking for an alternative to not have to go into my field. But what everybody saw on the outside is that they thought, yeah, you know, she can provide for herself. Like she's a hustler. And when I tell you I'm a hustler, in addition to all that stuff I told you I was doing, I was tutoring athletes. Okay. I was checking them in for their meals. Because I wanted to eat. And in order for me to eat dinner for free at their dining court, it required for me to check them in. And if they didn't get checked in, sad to say, I had to report that. And they had to do um, 6 a.m. Runs, runs. So most of them, well, well, actually all of them, for the most part, whenever I worked, showed up. Because they knew I was <laughs> a little snitch at the time. And um, then they would probably not eat get a meal, but not eat it and then leave just so they didn't have to do a 6 a.m. run. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what people saw. They saw me as a hustler. They knew I was a hard worker. They knew I knew how to have fun. I was smart. Um, and I seemed to love what I was doing because like I said, I was always around the athletic world. Growing up, I was an athlete. Now that I'm in college, I'm around, I was an athlete. Then I left that to become an athletic trainer and then I was still surrounded about, around um, athletes pretty much 24-7. But the thing is, I was pretty worried about making money after college. Like once I crossed that stage, I was so afraid about what my life was going to look like. My parents asked, why did I not shake the hand of the president as I was walking across the stage? That's how scared I was. Like, I honestly didn't even see that lady standing there with her hand out. And I don't know if anybody has the picture, 
But if somebody, I think my mom may have that picture, but she had her hand out and I completely was walking. <laughs> I walked as if she was not even there. That's just how focused I was on like, what am I about to do next? So I, yeah, I was really worried about how I was going to make money because now that I was graduating, all of my clients were leaving as well. And now I'm not going to be on campus anymore. And I didn't know how to market myself outside of campus. So I knew that I needed to make money, but I didn't know how I was going to make money because I didn't pass my board of exam and I did not have any work experience in the real world because I was always doing my own thing. So I was super stressed out because like I said, I just didn't have a plan. I didn't know what exactly I was going to do. So when I failed that exam and I had no jobs lined up, I knew I had to do something. So I decided that when I graduated, I had six months before my student loan kicked in. Because just to go back a little bit, I had a four-year scholarship. But since I did not know what I wanted to do my first year, because I changed majors, it ended up making me having to do a fifth year, which meant that fifth year I had to um, take out a student loan. So I knew I had six months before that student loan kicked in and I needed to come up with a plan that I can pay it back. And I also knew I needed a plan so that I can still be able to live and not move back home with my parents. So I applied to every place you can think of. I mean, every place you can think of. I didn't care about the money. I just need enough money just so that I can survive. That was pretty much the concept at that point which was a blessing and a, and a curse at the same time. Because when I was living in Lafayette, um, for those who don't know, I went to Purdue University. So when I was living in um, Lafayette, Indiana, even though Purdue is West Lafayette, it's like literally across the bridge. When I was living in Lafayette, Indiana, my rent for a three bedroom, two bathroom, vaulted ceilings, corner apartment on the third floor, overlooking <laughs> a railroad track. Um, it was $285 for the whole thing. $285 for the whole thing. They even had like local cable included the only, and internet. The only thing I had to pay for was like electric. And nobody liked to come to my house because I did not run my air conditioner. And it gets hot as who knows what in the, in the summertime. And I did not blast the heat in the wintertime. I just told people they need to bundle up. So I didn't even pay that much for that either. So I didn't really need a, a lot of money to live. I just knew I needed a lot of money to do what I wanted to do. Um, but I also knew I needed money because once that student loan was going to kick in, I need to be able to pay that money back. But I got declined for every single job, every single job. Like, of course, I got denied the jobs in my field because I didn't have my um, exam passed. But I got I got denied from McDonald's. I got denied from Target. I got denied from like anything you could think of. And sad to say, like I now that I think back, it's funny. But at the time, it was it wasn't funny because I was. This is how desperate I was. Okay, I was so desperate to get a job. Mind you, this program I was a part of, they only choose twelve people a year, and you could have like a hundred something people trying to get in this this major. It's so competitive, and they only take the top twelve people. So I just graduated from one of the best programs in the country. This is actually like, this program is so unique that one of the people who started our major, our field, 
is is named after him because he was a part of our program. And um, I'm up here, like applying for a job, and I send it to my um, the head athletic trainer for a reference. And you would not believe what this job was. So <laughs> I applied for Hooters. Now, if you've seen me before, I absolutely have no Hooters. I don't know why I even applied for this job, but I did because I was like, okay, I just like, they seem like they make good tips and I'm pretty sure I could stuff my bra and this is going to be the job of my dreams. All I need him to do is just vouch for me <laughs> that I'm going to be a good worker. And now that I think back, I am so embarrassed. I hope he never, ever got that call that he spent four years grooming me to be <laughs> this productive, this intelligent, this very skilled athletic trainer. And my immediate job after college is going to be working for Hooters. So anyway, I didn't get that job either. And I was pretty, I was pretty bummed. I'm not even going to lie. I was pretty bummed about not getting that job because I knew for a fact I had what it took to be a Hooters girl, but whatever. They, they didn't know what they were missing out on. So that's their loss. So I did that. I applied to grad school because I was like, you know what? Maybe I just need to go to grad school. Maybe it's just, maybe instead of taking a little break, maybe I should just go straight into grad school and try to get paid that way. Cause you know, they pay you sometimes if you get a position, they'll pay for you to go to school. So I'm like, cool. If I can get this position, they'll pay for my housing. They'll pay for my tuition. Like th th this would be great. I could care less what the major was. Like I wasn't really infatuated with the fact of going back to grad school. I just needed to be able to go to grad school so I can survive. And um, I did not get any of those positions either. In fact, I didn't even get to keep applying because you got to pay to apply for most of these schools, which is dumb that you have to pay because they should know that most college students coming out are broke, but they charge you like 50, 60, sometimes a hundred dollars to apply for a college. So after like a handful of them, I only did the ones that did not require for me to pay. And while I was waiting, I decided it would be a great idea that I start to take that I started to study for both the GRE and my board exam at the same time. So I had this all figured out. Like I'm still going to keep applying for jobs and I'm still I'm going to apply for grad school and I'm going to study for these two exams. So for the jobs, I literally hand delivered my resumes. And this is before COVID for those of you who are listening, where you could actually walk up and give a paper resume and it wasn't always online. I did my paper resumes and I hand delivered them around the city I lived in. And when I got home, I would apply online. So I spent eight hours. I figured if I was going to get paid for eight hours, I can spend eight hours trying to get paid, like trying to get a job for me to get paid. So I spent about eight hours a day applying for jobs. Hint, hint for those who are graduating who hasn't gotten a job offer yet. I spent about four to five hours studying for both the GRE to get into grad school and my board exam so that I can get my license. And I applied for grad schools. Again, those at this point, the ones who are offering the free tuition. And I can tell you one thing, this was, um, it was getting pretty stressful. I was pretty stressful, pretty stressed out at that time. And I would recommend this one thing to you. Do not try to study for two major exams at the same time. 
because you would fail like I did. Because I failed the second time <laughs> trying to take my board exam because I was completely, my brain was completely exhausted trying to remember the concepts for that exam along with the GRE. I feel like I like crossed the information. I highly recommend not doing that at the same time. Um, but it was it was become a pretty um, a pretty daunting, a pretty stressful time in my life because because I had that degree, those lower jobs were saying I was overqualified, and because I did not have my license, those jobs were telling me I was underqualified. And then I had these grad schools that I was applying for; they didn't even give me a response. Period. Like time was passed. Gave it that would have given them plenty of time to select or not select, but they just wouldn't respond. Period. So, after all of that, I think it was maybe um, I graduated in May 2011. I believe it was November of 2011 when I finally got my first job. And you would never believe it. But I was able to talk to the supervisor and convince the supervisor that I was the best candidate for the job. And he said, are you sure? I said, absolutely. And so he said, you're hired. And so my very first job right out of the gates was working as a custodian at Purdue University, working the graveyard shift. And when I tell you I was super excited about that job, I was super excited because number one, it paid me over the minimum wage. And number two, I got to work nights and I'm a night owl anyway. So it kind of worked because I didn't want to work days because too many people would be on campus that knew me. And even though I graduated, I still had a reputation to uphold. So I knew I couldn't work during days. So I did nights. And when I was working there, I met some pretty dope people. Like they were like their stories were pretty dope. And I was like, how you how'd you get here? And how they got there is not is not my business to tell. But some of them, like, they were just pretty cool people. Anyway, I um did have an issue though. Like, although I did work the graveyard shift, there were people like me who stayed up during the night that I knew. And that was probably the most stressful part of the job was like hoping that they did not see me in that ugly outfit because that outfit was pretty ugly. Not even going to lie. I don't even want to describe it because you probably would be disgusted with how ugly it looked. But if it was a cuter uniform, I would definitely give details. But anyway, I saw like people I knew. And if you if you went to Purdue or you ever visit, um, Lar Larson is like the technology um, building. And they had me in there. And I don't know why they had me in there. They had me in there and I would be seeing people I know. And I'm like jetting corners, heart beating fast. I'm like got the lights off, trying to time footsteps, waiting for them to leave. And I'm like, I don't know if I keep living like this. And then so finally they decided like, okay, I, I had enough with that building. They're going to change my, um, my building. So then they take me to another building. Now this building, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. This particular building was the uh, Mechanical Engineering Technology. I don't remember what that building was called. Anyway, they had these labs in there. And these labs had these big roaches. And my biggest fear was getting attacked by roaches. Not even going to lie. So like, my only job for the labs was to pull the trash. But you don't even know how stressful it can be to pull the trash when you're not sure what's inside of the trash bag. 
So I used to kick the trash can. I like take the broom and I like beat it, hoping something would come out. And then if it did, I would like jet out, time myself, see how long it took before the roaches could have scattered to go somewhere else. And then I run in, take the bag, tie it up, and then I would just throw it in the big bag. And that happened every single night. And so there was absolutely nobody in this building though. So like I, I can like take my time, move fast, whatever. As long as I get the job done, that's all I really cared about. But one day I was like thinking about it. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this job, this job needs to be like A plus. Like I need to make my buildings. When people walk in it, they just feel like, oh my gosh, this building is so clean. I, I love being here because I know that's how I am. I like to go into a building and feel like I'm safe because it's clean and it smells good. And so my whole mission during that time was to make sure my areas and my buildings were absolutely spotless. And I decided that I was not going to take this job as a setback. I was going to take this job as an opportunity to teach me a lesson. And I believe during that time period, before I got that job, I was pretty arrogant. Like, I just felt like, like I said, oh, I just studied the night before, a few weeks before, and I'll pass the test. Like, I just felt arrogant. And I felt like that job helped to humble me. And I really appreciate that job because it upgraded my lifestyle. Like, if I didn't learn that lesson early, I feel like I would be a total jerk now. So I don't regret ever taking that job. And I know people probably will look down upon me because they think that I was better than that because I had a degree. But I feel like that was probably God's way of saying, look, girl, you got some places you need to go in life. And I need your attitude to get checked real quick before I let you take those blessings. And so he did. And um, I did start applying to grad schools overseas because my cousin was in grad school in Germany and she was encouraging me to apply overseas and see what happens. And I did. And so I'm not going to go into a lot of details in this episode because I want to like give you more details about that experience in a future episode. But I just, I'll tell you this. So I was sweeping the floor. Okay. Mind you, I work nights. So it's, it's about midnight and I had an iPod at that time, not an iPad, not an iPhone, but an iPod. So if you're listening to this and you don't know what an iPod is, you might want to go ahead and Google that. So I was listening to my iPod and I had internet on it. So I got a notification um, on my Gmail account. So I'm like, hmm, Bond University. So I was like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're probably going to tell me I didn't get this. I didn't get accepted into this school either. But it's crazy because when I clicked the email, my heart was beating fast because I'm like, I cannot take another rejection. Here I am. I am not angry at me being a custodian, but I am thinking that I should be able to do more with my life. And I need this to be a ticket. So when I opened that email, I saw it said, congratulations, you have been accepted into that of that program at Bond University in Australia. And I could have shouted my little feet, like I could have shouted my hair out. Like my natural hair could have, it could have just sweated to its original form. And I was just completely shocked that I got accepted into this school. And it's a big deal, you guys, because Bond University, when I, when I went to visit, which I later on went to visit, it was the number one school, private school in Australia. And it's like 
the Yale and the Harvard Harvard of America, it's it's that over there. Like they compete with Harvard and Yale over here. And I believe it was Yale's um law school that they beat in a in a debate. So it was like a big deal that I just got accepted into the number one private school in Australia. Yeah, I was getting all these decline letters in America. And I, I thought that was crazy. Anyway, so um, when I got that job and when I got that email, that completely changed the course of my life because it gave me confidence. Like, even though I decided um, to not take the offer at Bond University, which again, I'll explain that in a future episode. And even though I left being a custodian, those two events hands down changed my life because it showed me that I really could achieve and do whatever it is that I wanted to do. First of all, it taught me to be humble and it taught me that if I keep pushing, I could get the results that I'm looking for. And so if you are, if you have graduated and you don't have any offers, my advice to you would be do not give up. You really should consider putting in a lot of work and everything you do. So for me, like I said, I was doing the resumes, I was hand delivering them, I was doing the emails, I was uh, studying for these tests, I was applying for grad school, I was doing whatever it took. And when even when faced with a with a conversation with my boss of, do you want this job? Like you have a degree, why would you want to take this job? I did not get any offers prior to that and I didn't want to take a chance of saying no and not get another another opportunity. So I said yes. And then from there, it seemed like every door was opening. Whatever job I applied for at that point, it seemed to have worked. Like I, I was just starting to get jobs. And it's because now I had an experience. Before, they didn't want to take a risk because I had no work. Hey, you guys. So I wanted to give you guys the wrap up of the previous episode that you just heard from episode two. And to conclude everything, it was more so if you don't have a job after you graduate, what you need to do is don't give up. Keep applying for jobs. Make it your effort to apply daily at a minimum five hours a day. Make your do earn, try to develop skills that you know that you'll need in order to stand out. Um, do volunteer work. Apply for jobs that you wouldn't necessarily take under any other circumstances just so you can get. Um, uh, work ethic so that you can develop humility. Don't discredit any type of job is what I'm trying to say, because sometimes those jobs are what you need for that season in your life. If I would have said no to being a custodian, I don't know how the rest of my life would have panned out. If I never applied for grad school and got that acceptance letter, I don't know how my confidence would have been. So with all that being said, every single thing that happens happens for a reason. And if you are in a position right now where you hate what you're doing um, or you have a job and you don't feel fulfilled, it's not going to last always because every single night that I was sweeping that floor, you know what I thought about? I thought about the life that I wanted and I tried to imagine what I needed to do in order to get that lifestyle. And so when I realized that that was not my last stop, I took it upon myself to embrace every single opportunity of that moment. Because in my heart, I knew that I would never have to be a custodian again unless I chose to do so. 
but I knew that I needed that to happen for me in order for me to accept all the things that was going to happen in my future. So wherever you are, if you are just recently graduated or you graduated two years ago or you graduated five years ago, but you haven't gotten a job of your dreams, don't give up. Keep tightening your skills. Read books, watch videos, surround yourself around people who can um, give you insight on the field, network, and you will be surprised of the doors that are going to open for you. So that is all I have to say. And I really do hope that this episode was able to help you to be encouraged, to take action. And whatever you do, I want you to don't give up. And if you like this episode, I want you to leave me a comment. I want you to share this episode with your family and your friends. But I also want you to remember you're never too old to build young and grow wealthy.